Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about ways you can communicate the value of your organization brings to customers. With me today is Gordon Van Weschel, founder of the Alchemy Consulting Group, which works to help companies of all sizes in a wide range of industries develop and implement marketing strategies to grow top-line revenue. He also helps business owners enhance the value of their business, so when it comes time to sell the business, their valuation is at the optimum level. Over the years, Gordon has worked with NGOs to teach micro-enterprise principles to people in underdeveloped nations. This work has taken him to more than 50 countries, resulting in the launch of more than 1,000 businesses, 27 schools, and many community development programs. Welcome, Gordon. It's great to have you here with me today. Thanks, Michael. Looking forward to our conversation. To get us started, can you share your perspective on the marketing challenge that any business faces, regardless as to whether they're a large multinational organization that's been around for a long time or a local startup? Yeah, particularly with companies that haven't been around for a lot of years, but also with large companies too, we find that one of the biggest challenges is they really haven't clearly identified who their customer is. It's very common for me to talk to a business owner and they're justifiably proud of their product or service and they believe that just about everybody could use it. And while that might be the case, unless they've got the advertising budget of a Coca-Cola or a Budweiser, they're never gonna be able to reach all those customers. So it's really important that a business owner really carefully identify who their ideal customer profiles are. And that can be a couple of different profiles. The second thing I see as, as a big challenge is how effectively a business owner shares the value proposition of their company in a way that's meaningful to the prospect. A lot of us as business owners talk about the features of our product or service, but don't really do so in a way that resonates with the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect. And that's a mistake. You really need to be able to take yourself away from the business outside of your own head and focus on what's gonna be the most important thing for your prospective customer. And then of course, once you have that customer, it's fulfilling really over and above their expectation. So the primary challenges I think with, uh, with a lot of companies is really carefully identifying who their customer is and then effectively conveying their value proposition to that customer. Thank you. So sharing the value of your company in a way that uh, in your words is meaningful to the customer there's a lot of ways to do that. There are benefits and disadvantages with different marketing practices. So you've got online versus offline, for example. Sure. How can business leaders assess the most impactful way to share their message? Yeah, great question. And again, this is an area where we see a lot of business owners make a basic mistake. The key is once you understand who your customer is, is understanding where they gather information. Now, the default these days is the search engines. Google controls something north of 70% of all search and the other 25 to 30% is distributed among the other search engines. So most people gather basic information somewhere on Google with some sort of search term. But direct mail is still a very powerful tool, particularly for a, a local brick and mortar business uh, using direct mail. Uh, for example, the post office has their Every Door Direct Mail program that was introduced a few years ago. It's a very cost-efficient way to reach every home and business owner in the area around your place of business. Radio and television are great branding tools. And for some business niches, you need that radio just to, to generate leads. And those two mediums are not as expensive as you might think. 
cable has really brought the price of television advertising down. Radio has had to come up with some pretty good programs to compete. So I wouldn't knock those two out of consideration. One of the questions that business owners have to be thinking about is, do you have a defined or a non-defined market? And let me define those. For a business-to-business company, that's fairly easy, but business-to-consumer, less so. With a defined market, you can identify who your prospects are and obtain a list of who those people are and how to reach them. A non-defined market is either such a nebulous market that you can't really carefully define or get a list or the list is so big you can't effectively market to it. With a defined market, you're targeting your prospects directly. So obviously your advertising spend is gonna have a higher return on investment. With a non-defined market, you have to spend a lot of your ad budget gathering leads and then start to nurture those leads. So it's less effective. But again, the question for the business owner is how carefully can I define a market? And it's rare that we've worked with a company that couldn't define a market at some level, whether that's a neighborhood, whether that's a particular demographic or psychographic profile. But if the more closely you can define a market, the better. Dan Kennedy, who some of your listeners may be familiar with, passed away a couple of years ago, but was a great marketer, particularly with direct mail. But Dan Kennedy was fond of saying that the riches are in the niches. And it's true. The more carefully you can define a niche market, the better you can take your limited ad spend capabilities and target that market in an effective way. I couldn't agree more with uh, Dan Kennedy there. The riches are in the niches. I like that. With digital marketing being so pervasive today, what new innovations are you seeing that business leaders need to be aware of and should take into consideration? One of the real changes we've seen in the last just 12 or 15 years is just the explosion in the number of available marketing channels for a business owner. I mean, I think, Michael, if you and I put our heads together for 10 minutes, we'd probably come up with several dozen different ways a a business can market itself. The onus on the business owner is to try to find those marketing channels that will most effectively convey their value proposition to their target audience. Some of those are gonna be digital, some of them are gonna be offline. The other thing that we see changing a lot is the demographics of marketing. I'll give you a quick example. Facebook, you would think, is really a ubiquitous marketing channel. Everybody should be on it, and most of their customers are going to be on it. But the reality is millennials are not on Facebook at all. So if they're part of your target market, you need to be on Instagram. In the last, really, just 24 to 30 months, YouTube marketing has really become the go-to channel for many businesses. It's cost-effective the way that Google AdWords was 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, So YouTube marketing has become a a real viable channel. The other thing that people have to realize as business owners is that organic search is increasingly difficult. By organic search, I mean doing traditional search engine optimization activities and getting your website to the first page or two of Google. Increasingly difficult if you look at the first page of Google, generally for most searches, at least a third and usually a half of those are taken up by national entities. So a local company really has a tough time getting high rankings. The only way that most companies can get on the first page of Google today is to pay for ads. And that's by design. Google makes over 90% of their revenue off of paid advertising. So they want you to spend money. They want you to have to advertise to get on page one. 
we actually have a product uh, that we've trademarked. We call it Results First SEO, where we set up an SEO campaign and our clients pay us when we get them on the first page for those keywords. We're comfortable making that offer because we've been doing SEO for 15 years. We really know how to make it work. But again, that's a longer term proposition. Paid advertising, we can have your phone ringing in a week to 10 days with a program, even our program like Results First SEO. You're talking six, eight, 12 weeks before we really see results. And that's just because of the nature of how competitive the digital market space is. Wow. Yeah, that's great information and a lot to consider there. With organizations pouring so much money and resources into establishing and maintaining their online reputation, why has that become so important to a business? And what should leaders be focused on when it comes to uh, creating and maintaining their online reputation? That's a really insightful question, Michael, because the reputation today is really, really critical. And this has been the case for several years. The search engines made a substantial change in their algorithm back in 2014, 2015 time range where they started to emphasize a company's online reputation a lot more. And they're using that to determine which websites are placed at the top of the search results. Outside of the search engines, 87% of consumers, and I use that number, there's several surveys out there that say between 85 and 90% of consumers. So let's say 87% of consumers go online looking for reviews. And that's true even if they're referred to a company. They first go online because they want to see what other people's experience has been with that company. Another interesting question is how many reviews they want to look at. And the average is 10. So if you're a business owner and you've only got a couple reviews, you're probably losing business because you don't have enough social proof for people to, to really make a decision. Something else that the search engines consider is the recency of reviews. The algorithms are skewed so that reviews that are less than 30 days old get the highest priority, 31 to 90, the second highest, 90 to 180. And a review that's more than 24 months old isn't even considered in the search engine algorithms anymore. So what that does is really compel a business owner to have a consistent program in place to request reviews and to share them as widely as possible. If you can do that internally, that's great. But what we find is that most businesses that start a review program, it kind of languishes six or eight weeks later, and then everybody forgets about it. This is important enough that it's probably one of those activities that you should consider outsourcing. So to dig a little deeper into the subject of online presence, how important are things like social media marketing and blogging? You know, again, it comes back to where your ideal customer gathers information when it comes to social media. I would say that almost every business we've ever worked with or that I can imagine talking with needs a basic Facebook business page. Now, that doesn't mean they have to be posting five times a day on it, but they do need that because it is kind of a go-to reference for a lot of consumers. I think just about every business and professional practice owner or manager should have a LinkedIn profile. After that, you know, should you be on Instagram, should you be on any of the other social media platforms only if that's a place where your customers go looking for information. We see a lot of companies that spend way too much time and money on social media and they don't reach their target audience. So it's just, it's just wasted. Now, your other question was blogging and blogging can be very valuable if it's done consistently. What blogging does is it provides fresh content, which the search engines like to see on a website. So if you're publishing a blog post, 
twice a month is adequate for most businesses. That's good new content for the search engine spiders to absorb. If you start a blog and then you go six weeks without publishing and then you publish a couple and then you go another six weeks, what that says to your prospect as they look through your website and they see that blog is that it's not important to you and they just discount it. The other value of blogging is you can really highlight two or at the most three of your primary keywords in each blog post. You can write posts that are relevant to your company and also to your audience. It can be a very effective tool in a lot of niches, but it does take time and it takes a commitment. Here again, this is something that can be outsourced for a busy business owner or a business that doesn't have a large team. Sure. So talking about cost in dollars as well as in time and resources to get the word out about your business, this investment can quickly skyrocket. So how can business leaders calculate the appropriate investment in marketing and how can they measure the return on that investment? I think that you have to know two metrics about your business. You need to know the average transaction value and the lifetime value of a customer. And those are simple arithmetic calculations. The average transaction value, if you have 10, if you've sold to 10 customers and you've generated $1,000 in revenue, your average transaction value is $100. Unfortunately, for most of us, it's just not that simple because most businesses have two or three or four tiers of products. But as much as possible, a business owner should try to group the products or services they sell into some like price ranges and then calculate the average transaction value within each of those ranges. The other key metric is what's the lifetime value of a customer, client, or patient. Let's take a dental practice, for example. Most people will stay with a dentist for three to five years unless they move out of the area. As long as the hygienist doesn't hurt them too badly and the dentist is personable, you know, they're going to stay. So if I'm a dentist, I'm saying, okay, my average transaction value might only be $130, but I'm going to keep that client for five years. So twice a, twice a year at $130, that's 260 times five years. That's uh, somewhere around $1,300. So the question from a marketing point of view is, how much am I willing to spend to acquire that $1,300 patient? And the reality for many businesses is you're going to spend more than that initial transaction value, more than the $130 in our example. But for a person to make, for a business owner to make a really sound decision on what their marketing budget should be, they have to know those two numbers, the average transaction value and the lifetime value of a customer. If you're an entrepreneur and just getting started, what type of a sample size would you recommend? Or maybe how often would you recommend reevaluating those numbers? Well, I think it's an ongoing process. You know, most of us will introduce new products or services over time. We're getting feedback from our customers and clients and patients about what they want. So sample size, again, it's going to be variable based on the industry. But, you know, you need several months worth of data to be able to make those decisions. Maybe another way to look at the question is, what are the basics that every business needs in terms of a core marketing campaign? And, you know, I would say there's just a couple. You need a properly designed website. And then what I say by properly designed is your value proposition needs to be clearly stated on the homepage in that area above the fold. That is with the, the, the homepage that people can see when they first log in. If you can add some video, 
we love to see uh, an owner video looking directly into the camera and for 60 to 75 seconds, thanking people for visiting the website and elaborating on the value proposition. Interestingly enough, the second most visited page for most websites is the About Us page. So it's really important that your About Us page clearly demonstrates you know, more about your company, who your people are, just short little bios or a team photo, something that gives your prospect a little bit of the flavor of your company and lets them imply what working with you might be like. The other foundational item that you need is the, the Google for Business page. Now they just changed the name. This has been called Google My Business for a long time. They just did some rebranding. But that Google for Business page is really the cornerstone of your online marketing. That's what all of the other citation and directory sites look to as the source. The nice thing about the Google for Business page is they now allow you to do a post every week and they archive those posts. And again, Google rewards people in the search results if they're really optimizing that Google business page. So if you do no other marketing at all, you need that properly designed website and a regularly optimized and maintained Google business page. Got it. After that, the challenge is traffic. You know, a lot of people will tell you, you need to do search engine optimization. I don't start with that with our clients because it's a long, slow process and people need business owners want that return on investment early. So our second step is always paid traffic. And what I mean by that is Google ads, retargeting and banner ad campaigns. The harsh reality of today's search engine marketplace is you have to pay to play. And if you want to be found, you're going to have to pay some advertising to the search engines. Google ads are complicated. I, th I almost think they do it intentionally. So by the time you figure site tags and headlines and landing pages and negative keywords and A-B split testing and building your quality score, it's a full-time job. And you want to work with an agency that has a lot of experience managing AdWords campaigns, or you're just going to spend a lot of money and not get the return you should. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, thanks for breaking that down for us. I, I didn't realize how important the About Us page is or, or how visited that is. Yeah. Uh, uh, before we bring this episode to a close, what would you suggest leaders do today to help their organizations share the value they bring to their customers? You know, you just have to consistently convey your value proposition in every bit of your marketing. Whether it's on or offline, you constantly want to talk about what it is that you offer. There's an old phrase in marketing that if you want to know what John Smith buys, you have to see the world through John Smith's eyes. And what that compels us to do as business owners is really put ourselves in the place of the prospect. You know, what's their pain? What are they looking for? What are they trying to resolve as they think about the product or service that you offer the marketplace? And then related to that is make sure that if you have a team uh, whether it's employees in a retail store or people that work in your professional practice, make sure that everybody on that team understands exactly what your company stands for and shares that with the customers they interact with. It's just consistency in projecting that value proposition, Michael. Being consistent in everything is really helpful. And, and definitely, I love how you're talking about getting everybody on the same page, saying the same thing and, and sharing that same message. Well, Gordon, yeah. thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the ways leaders can share the value of their business with customers and take more control of the outcomes of their marketing efforts. If you're interested in more from Gordon, 
please visit thealchemyconsultinggroup.com. Gordon would also like to offer our listeners a free digital download of his best-selling book called Core 5 Marketing. A link to this download is included in the description of this episode. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.